After reciting the Tashahud, Dawuz and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifat al-Masih V, Ayyadahullahu Ta'ala bin al Aziz stated, that the initial events that took place following the migration and the factors which led to the Battle of Badr and the actions taken by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, in order to counter the schemes and ploys of the disbelievers of Makkah had briefly been mentioned. And there were some expeditions and battles that took place prior to the Battle of Badr as well. And I will mention these briefly and then also mention some details in regards to the preparations made by the disbelievers of Makkah for the battle, God willing. The expedition of Hazrat Hamza was the first expedition which took place during Ramadan in the first year after the migration to Medina. This expedition was sent by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and it is also known as the expedition of Saif al-Bahr. The flag for this expedition was white and it was carried by Abu Marsad Ghanwi anhu. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, sent this expedition during Ramadan in the first year after Hijrah and he appointed his paternal uncle, Hazrat Hamza bin Abdul Muttalib, as its leader. Thirty Muhajireen accompanied them and these individuals reached the coast of the Red Sea by passing through East and encountered a caravan led by Abu Jahl that was returning from Syria. Is is the name of a place located approximately 30 kilometers to the north of Rabir, which is in the surroundings of Saniyatul Marra and at a distance of approximately 240 kilometers from Medina. There was a well by the name of Zanabatul Is, which was densely surrounded by acacia trees, and for this reason the area was called Is. This was home to Banu Sulaim, and the trading caravans of the Quraysh en route to Syria passed through this area. In any case, both parties formed their rows for battle and faced one another, and it was very possible that a battle would break out, but a chief of their tribe settled the matter, and both parties returned.
Then there is the expedition of Ubaidah bin Haris. During the month of Shawwal, in the first year after the Hijrah, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, sent Hazrat Ubaidah bin Haris anhu, towards Sanniyatul Marrah near Rabigh along with 60 Muhajireen. There they encountered Abu Sufyan and his cavalry of 200 men, and both parties fired some arrows, but a formal battle did not ensue. Hazrat Saad bin Abi Waqqas was the first individual to fire an arrow that day. A battle by way of shooting arrows between the Muslims and disbelievers had never occurred prior to this. As such, this was the first arrow to be shot by the Muslims in the Islamic history, which Hazrat Saad was rightly proud of. Following this, both parties returned to their dwellings. Saniyatul Marra is located to the northeast of the city of Rabih at a distance of approximately 55 kilometers and at a distance of 200 kilometers from Medina. Following this is the expedition of Hazrat Saad bin Abi Waqqas and this occurred in the first year after Hijrah and according to some opinions it took place in the second year after Hijrah. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, appointed Hazrat Saad bin Abi Waqqas as the leader of 20 individuals and sent them with the instruction to not cross the valley of Kharar. They set off on foot, and they remained hidden during the day and travelled at night until they reached Kharar. Their objective was to stop the trade caravan of the Quraysh. However, when this group reached Kharar, they came to know that the caravan had already passed through the previous day. As such, they returned without any confrontation. With regards to Kharar, it is written that it means water that flows whilst producing a loud sound. And Kharar is the name of a place near Jufa in the region of Hijaz. Then there is the Ghazwa Vaddan or Ghazwa Abwa, which took place in Safar 2 Hijri. In the month of Safar 2 Hijri, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, set out towards Abwa or Vaddan with 60 to 70 Muhajireen. And according to the historian Ibn Saad, this is the first expedition in which the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, took part himself. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, appointed his Asad bin Ubadah as the leader of Medina in his absence. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, reached Abwa with the intention of stopping a trade caravan of the Quraysh. However, it had already left by the time he got there. Whilst there, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, established a peace treaty with Makhshi bin Amr Zamri, who was the chief of the Banu Zamra tribe. The treaty set out that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would not attack the Banu Zamra, and nor would the Banu Zamra take any action in opposition to him or join in any opposition to him. Furthermore, they would not assist any enemy against the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. During this journey, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, remained outside of Medina for 15 days. Regarding Vaddan, it is recorded that this is a place between Makkah and Medina and it is at a distance of 13 kilometers from Abwa, where the Blessed Mother of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, is buried. It is also at a distance of about 100 kilometers from Jufa. I mention the names of these places along with some details because some Ahmadis who travel to that region for Umrah wish to visit these places upon learning of their history. And in this way, they become acquainted with these areas.
Then there is Ghazwai Bawad, and this took place in the month of Rabiul Awwal in 2 Hijri. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, appointed as Asad bin Muaz as the Amir of Medina, and along with two companions set out to stop a caravan belonging to the Quraysh. This caravan consisted of Umayyah bin Khalf along with a hundred other people from the Quraysh and also 2,500 camels. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, reached Bawad near Razwa. However, they did not come face to face with anyone there and following this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, returned to Medina. The colour of the flag for this expedition was white and the flag bearer was Asad bin Abi Waqqas. Regarding Bawad, it is recorded that it comprised two mountains belonging to the Jahina tribe located along the route between Mecca and Syria and beside them is the famous mountain Razwa and Bawad is located about 100 kilometers from Medina. Then there is the Ghazwa Ushera. In relation to this, it is said that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, received intelligence that a trade caravan belonging to the Quraysh had departed from Mecca and the Meccans had invested all of their wealth into this caravan. They intended to use the prophets in order to battle against the Muslims. Hence, in Jamaad al-Ula, or according to another narration in Jamaad al-Sani, 2 Hijri, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, departed Medina with 150 to 200 people. When the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, reached Ushera, he learned that the trading caravan had already departed from there a few days before. Ushera was the name of an area between Mecca and Medina, near the area of Yambu, which belonged to the Banu Mudlij. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, remained there for a few days and formed peace treaties with the allies of Banu Mudlij and Banu Zamra and then returned to Medina. This caravan belonging to the Quraysh was the same one which, upon its return from Syria, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, set out after it again, which then ultimately resulted in the Battle of Badr. Then there is the Ghazwa Badrul Ula, and regarding this, it is said that within ten days of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, returning to Medina after the Ghazwa Ushera, Qurz bin Jabir attacked a grazing ground in Medina. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, set out after him and appointed Hazazad bin Harsa as the Amir of Medina. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, reached a valley near Badr called Safwan. Safwan is a valley near Badr. However, Qurz bin Jabir was quick to get ahead and the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, could not reach him. This expedition is also called Badrul Ula. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then returned to Medina. It is called Badrul Ula because the Muslim army reached Safwan, which is near Badr. This is what has been stated in Siratul Halabiya. Regarding Qurz bin Jabir, Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmad Sahib has written the following details. He writes, 
This raid of Qurz bin Jabir was not a minor Bedouin act of plunder. Rather, it is definite that he had set out against the Muslims on behalf of the Quraysh with a particular motive. As a matter of fact, it is very likely that he had specifically come with the intention of inflicting injury upon the very person of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. But upon finding the Muslims vigilant, he settled upon the robbery of their camels and ran off. This also demonstrates that the Quraysh of Mecca had planned to raid Medina so as to utterly destroy the Muslims. It should also be remembered that the Muslims had already been given permission for jihad by the sword prior to this, and in a sense of self-defense they had begun to employ an initial plan of action in this regard as well. However, until now they had not practically suffered any loss in terms of wealth or lives. However, the raid of Qurz bin Jabir was one which practically inflicted harm upon the Muslims. In other words, even after the acceptance of the challenge of the Quraysh, it was the disbelievers who practically initiated battle. Then there was the expedition of Abdullah bin Jahsh. This expedition took place towards a valley near Mecca called Nakhla. Regarding this expedition, it is recorded that in the month of Rajab, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, sent Hazrat Abdullah bin Jahsh along with eight Muhajireen, and no one from the Ansar was among them. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, gave them a letter and instructed that it should only be opened after two days of travelling and the instructions within it should be followed. However, no one would be compelled to continue after reading it. And so, after completing two days of travel, Hazrat Abdullah bin Jahsh opened the letter containing their orders and read it. The letter stated that when you open and read my letter, you should continue your journey and go to Nakhla which is between Taif and Mecca and there you should observe the Quraysh's movement and then inform us about them. When Hazrat Abdullah bin Jahsh read this letter, he said that I must hear and obey. Thereafter, he told those accompanying him that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has instructed me to continue towards Nakhla and observe the movements of the Quraysh so that I may be able to inform the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, about what they are doing. Hazrat Abdullah bin Jahsh then further stated that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, forbade me from compelling any of you to join me. Therefore, those of you who desire martyrdom can accompany me, and whoever wishes to return can go. However, none of them left, and they all set out towards Hijaz. Along the way, Hazrat Saad bin Abi Waqas and Hazrat Utba bin Ghazwan lost their camels and both were left behind as they searched for it, while Hazrat Abdullah bin Jahsh and the rest of those accompanying him continued until they reached Nakhla. While there, they happened to pass by a caravan carrying raisins, leather and other trading goods of the Quraysh. This caravan also included Amr bin Hazrmi. When the Quraysh of Makkah saw the Muslims, they became fearful. Hazrat Ukasha bin Mehsan ta'lana, who had a shaven head came before them and upon seeing him the disbelievers became content 
saying that there was nothing to fear because these people were simply going for Umrah. Then the Muslims consulted one another about the fact that it was the last day of the month of Rajab. And they considered that if they fight and kill them, they would be doing so during a sacred month. On the other hand, if they were to wait, the enemy would enter into the sacred boundary by night and become unreachable. Ultimately, everyone unanimously agreed that the caravan should be attacked. And the details of this incident has already been mentioned before in reference to the accounts of the companions. Hazrat Baqid bin Abdullah Tamimi shot an arrow at Amr bin Hazmi, which killed him. The Muslims also captured two individuals, while a third was successful in escaping. Thereafter, Hazrat Abdullah bin Jahsh brought the camels and two prisoners to Medina before the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. When Hazrat Abdullah bin Jahsh entered Medina, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, addressed him and stated that I did not command you to take up arms during the sacred month. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, gave the camels and captives a place to stay and refused to accept any spoils. Some claim that the objective of this expedition was to loot and plunder. However, this was not the objective. If it were so, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would commend their actions. Instead, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, deemed their actions wrong. And on the other hand, the Quraysh also raised an uproar that the Muslims violated the sanctity of the sacred month. Furthermore, owing to the fact that the victim, i.e. Amr bin Hazrami, was a chieftain and a confederate to Utbah bin Rabia, i.e. the chief of Makkah, therefore, this incident severely enraged the Quraysh, causing them to prepare for an attack on Medina with even greater passion and zeal than before. Thus, the Battle of Badr resulted mostly from these preparations and sentiments of enmity. This incident raised many matters of discussion, both amongst the Muslims and the disbelievers, and in the end the following Quranic revelation was revealed and acted as consolation for the Muslims. Allah the Almighty states, That is, they ask thee about fighting in the sacred month. Say, fighting therein is a great transgression. But to forcefully hinder men from the way of Allah, to reject the sacred month and the sacred mosque, or in other words, to violate their sanctity, to turn out the people from the sacred boundary by force, as you have been doing. O Polytheus, all such actions are a greater sin than fighting in the sacred month in the sight of Allah. Surely, to spread chaos in the land during the sacred month is worse than killing in order to stop it. O Muslims, the state of the disbelievers is that they have been so blinded by their enmity for you that they will not cease fighting you at any given time or place and will continue to fight you until they turn you away from your faith, if they have the strength to. 
Nevertheless, Allah the Almighty was aware that the disbelievers would continue to try and turn the Muslims away from their faith. And for this reason, Allah the Almighty did not express any displeasure at what had ensued. Also, it is proven through history that the chieftains of the Quraysh would spread their murderous propaganda against Islam just as actively in the sacred months. In fact, they would take advantage of the congregations and journeys during the sacred months and would become even more active in spreading strife and chaos. Furthermore, with utter shamelessness, they would change the sacred months in order to appease themselves through falsehood, a practice they referred to as nasi. Therefore, such a response would surely bring comfort to the Muslims, but it also caused the Quraysh to settle down. They also found out about the divine revelation concerning the matter. During this time, two men from the Quraysh also arrived in Medina to redeem their captives. However, because Saad bin Abi Waqas and Utba had not yet returned, and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was aware of the serious risk of them falling into the hands of the Quraysh, who would not spare them, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, refused to free the captives until they returned. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated that when my men return to Medina safely, then I will free your men. Thus, upon their return, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, freed the two prisoners after taking ransom. Then there is Ghazwa Badrul Kubra, and the Holy Quran has referred to this as Yawm al Furqan. Hazrat Khalifatul Masih I, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, states that the Furqan, i.e., distinction of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, occurred on the day of Badr when the staunch and powerful leaders of the enemy perished and the Muslims attained victory. At another instance, whilst defining the word Furqan, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih I, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, states that I have learned from the Qur'an that Furqan is the name of such a victory that results in breaking the spine and strength of the enemy. And this was demonstrated indeed on the occasion of the Battle of Badr. This battle is also referred to as Badrul Sani, Badrul Kubra, Badrul Uzma and Badrul Kitab. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, learned that Abu Sufyan was returning from Syria with Quraysh's trading caravan comprising a thousand camels, this caravan possessed a large amount of wealth from the Quraysh. And if a person possessed even a small amount of gold, then they had contributed to funding this caravan. It is said that a vast amount of riches was invested in it, and this caravan was made up to 30 or 40 men or according to another narration, 70 men. And this was the same caravan that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, set out in pursuit of and reached Ushera. However, the caravan was already on its way to Syria. For this expedition, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, set out in Jamadil Ula or Jamadil Akhir in 2 Hijri. And upon learning about this caravan's return, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, invited the Muslims to go forth with him. And the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated that this is a trading caravan of the Quraysh carrying much of their wealth. Go forth, for it may be that Allah grants you spoils of war. 
Those people who are accustomed to seeking out opportunities to raise allegations, or perhaps who those who lack knowledge, claim that Muslims began to loot and plunder after going to Medina. As an example, they cite the incident of the pursuit of this caravan. However, such claims arise from utter ignorance, lack of knowledge and unfamiliarity to the conditions of war at the time. The act of intercepting the Quraysh's trading caravan was not blameworthy at all. The details of this incident have been mentioned by Hazrat Mizza Bashir Ahmed Sahib in his book The Life and Character of the Seal of Prophets. He writes, To set out in order to intercept the caravan is not at all objectionable. The reason being that firstly, this particular caravan which the Muslims had set out to pursue was not an ordinary caravan. Every man and woman from among the Quraysh held shares in it. And this demonstrates that with regards to this caravan, the intention of the chieftains of the Quraysh was that this prophet would be used in order to wage war against the Muslims. And history proves that this very prophet was used to prepare for the Battle of Uhud. As such, the interception of this caravan was a necessary part of the tactics of war. Secondly, it was also necessary in general to intercept these caravans of the Quraysh because they were armed and would pass by very close to Medina. The Muslims remained in constant danger of them and it was necessary to put an end to this. And thirdly, wherever these caravans would travel, they would heavenly incite the tribes of Arabia against the Muslims, due to which the state of the Muslims was becoming more and more vulnerable. As such, blocking their passage was a part of their protection and self-defense program. And fourthly, the Quraysh's livelihood primarily depended on trade. And for this reason, the interception of these caravans was an excellent means by which to bring the Quraysh to their senses and to stop them from their acts of war and to press them towards reconciliation and the establishment of peace. To prevent such wars, nowadays some nations impose sanctions, yet these too are imposed wrongfully and in an unjust manner. As it were, this was an action similar to imposing a sanction. Furthermore, the purpose of halting these caravans was not to loot or plunder them. Rather, just as the Holy Quran itself clearly states that the objective of the Muslims in halting the caravans during these special missions was not out of a desire for their wealth. Instead, it was in an attempt to reduce the suffering and toil when confronting them as opposed to engaging in a battle. In any case, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, sent forth two of his companions, Hazrat Talha bin Ubaidillah and Hazrat Sayyid bin Zaid, to receive intelligence on this caravan. These two companions departed from Medina, and after gathering information about the caravan and returning to Medina, they came to learn that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had already left from there. Therefore, the two of them set off towards Badr, but they only met the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, en route when he was already returning, having participated in the Battle of Badr. It is for this reason that these two companions were unable to take part in the Battle of Badr. However, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, still assigned a portion of the spoils of war to them. On the other hand, Abu Sufyan received word from his spies that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had departed with his companions to attack his trade caravans. And it is also stated that Abu Sufyan met someone who informed him that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, 
wanted to stop this caravan in its tracks from the very beginning. He also stated that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was waiting for the caravans to return. And so, hearing this news, Abu Sufyan became frightened and paid a man named Zamzam bin Amr Ghaffari to head towards Makkah, telling him to inform the Meccans that Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and his companions have set forth to attack one of their caravans. Following this, Zamzam set off rapidly, and when this messenger of Abu Sufyan reached Makkah, as was the Arab custom, he began screaming in a very horrified manner that, O people of Makkah, Muhammad and his companions have set forth to attack your caravan. Thus, go forth and save it. At the same time, Abu Sufyan continued to cleverly obtain information and continued on his journey whilst avoiding the Muslim army. Upon arriving at the spring of Badr, Abu Sufyan asked someone if they had seen anyone come there. And he replied, the two people came here. They sat their camels near a hill and went to get water. And so Abu Sufyan went to where the camels were and there he found camel droppings. Abu Sufyan picked one up, split it and found a date stone. Seeing this, he said that this was the food of Yasrab and understood that these people from Medina were close by. Therefore, Abu Sufyan swiftly returned to his caravan and diverting from the regular path, he took them via the shoreline and he thus left Badr from one side and went forth in haste. Regarding this incident, there is an extraordinary dream of Ataka bint Abdul Muttalib and it proved to be a truthful dream. The dream is as follows, that Ataka bint Abdul Muttalib was the paternal aunt of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and the mother of Ummul Mu'mineen, Hazrat Umm Salama radiallahu ta'ala anha. Regarding her acceptance of Islam, both narrations are found. According to some, she accepted Islam, however, the majority are of the opinion that she did not accept Islam. Nonetheless, three days before Abu Sufyan's messenger Zamzam reached Makkah, she saw a dream which frightened her. And so she called for her brother, Abbas bin Abdul Muttalib, and said, That my dear brother, by God, last night I saw a dream which has left me petrified. She said that I fear that a calamity or trial will most certainly befall your people. And so keep what I am about to tell you a secret. And according to one narration, Atika said, that unless you give me solemn promise that you will not tell this to anyone, I will not tell you the dream. Because if the Quraysh of Makkah find out about this dream, then they will cause us trouble and curse us. And so Hazrat Abbas promised her and then he asked her what she had seen in the dream. Atika stated that I saw in a dream that a man came riding on a camel and stood in the plains of Abta. 
Makkah and Mina were both known as Abta, and it is closer to Mina. She then stated that this individual then came and at the top of his voice he screamed that, O people, go to the place of your slaughter within three days. Atika further states that I then saw the people had gathered around this individual and he then entered the mosque, i.e. the Kaaba, and people were walking behind him. And I then saw that whilst people were still around him, his camel had taken him onto the roof of the Kaaba, and he then again screamed that, O people, go to the place of your slaughter within three days. She further states that I then saw that his camel took him to the peak of Mount Abu Qubes, and it is written, the Mount Abu Qubes was a prominent mountain peak to the east of Makkah. She further states that from there he again bellowed at the top of his voice and he then took a rock and rolled it down the mountain. And as soon as it reached the bottom, the rock broke into smaller fragments and there was not a single house or abode in Makkah where a rock fragment did not fall. Upon hearing this, Hazrat Abbas said to Atika, that by God, this is a very significant dream. Therefore, keep this a secret and do not tell a soul. Thereafter, Hazrat Abbas left the house of Atika and along the way he met Walid bin Utba, who was a friend of Abbas's. And although Abbas had told his sister Atika not to tell anyone, however, he mentioned the dream to Walid and told him not to tell anyone. However, once something is revealed, then it cannot be kept hidden. And so Walid in turn told his father Utba. And just like this, the news of the dream spread throughout Makkah. And if two people met up, they would speak about the dream. Abbas says that the next morning, when I went to perform the circuit of the Kaaba, Abu Jahl was sitting with a few people of the Quraysh. Upon seeing me, he said, O Abu Fadl, this was the title of Hazrat Abbas, after completing your circuit, come to see me. Hazrat Abbas further narrates that after finishing my circuits of the Kaaba, I went to see Abu Jahl and he said that, O Banu Abdul Muttalib, since when have female prophets started appearing among you? Upon this, I asked him what he meant and he replied, that men from among you have claimed prophethood, are you referring to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him? And now your women have also started claiming to be prophets. What is this dream which Atika has seen? Hazrat Abbas asked, that what dream? Upon this, Abu Jahl said, that she says that she saw someone coming on a camel, who then cried out at the top of his voice, and thereafter rolled a rock down from the mountain. He then went on to narrate the entire dream. Abu Jahl then said, We shall wait for three days and see whether the events unfold as mentioned in the dream. If it is fulfilled like this, then that is fine. And if this is not the case, then we shall place a written declaration on the Kaaba, wherein it would state that you people are the greatest liars in the Arab land. Abbas further narrates, By God, I had to deny the dream and told him that Atika did not see any such dream. Hazrat Abbas then states that thereafter we all left the gathering and in the evening 
When I returned home, all of the women of the Banu Abdul Mutlib tribe came to see me and said that the wretched and evil man first leveled all kinds of allegations against our men and you did not take any action. Now he has started to speak ill of your women and you are silently listening to him and not refuting him. Where is your sense of honour? In this way, the women of his tribe impassioned him and Abbas further narrates that upon this I said that by God this is exactly what I did and I believe that there is no greater wrongdoing than this. Thus by Allah I shall go to him again and if he says anything like this again I shall put him to an end in order to avenge for you. Hazrat Abbas further narrates that on the third day following the dream Atika had seen I left my home in the morning and I was in a state of great anger and I intended to seek revenge for the wrong I had done that day. And so as I entered the mosque, I saw Abu Jahl, who had a slim build and a sharp tongue. Hazrat Abbas further states, that by God, I went towards him so that he could say something again as he had done previously, and as a result, I would take revenge. However, I saw Abu Jahl running towards the door of the mosque, i.e. Kaaba, and at that point, I thought to myself that what is the matter with him? May Allah the Almighty's curse be upon him. What has happened to him? Is he running in fear lest I say something ill to him? However, the fact was that he had heard the loud cry of Zamzam bin Amr al-Ghaffari, which I had not heard. And Zamzam was loudly calling out whilst he was mounted on the camel in the middle of the valley. He had cut the nose and ears of his camel and had turned over his saddle and torn his upper garment and he was crying out loud at caravan, caravan. In other words, he was asking for their caravan to be saved. He stated that this caravan under the lead of Abu Sufyan is carrying your trade goods and Muhammad and his companions have attacked it. He then further stated that reach to them as quickly as you can but I don't think you will be able to reach them in time. Abbas further narrates that we both became so occupied in this new incident which had unfolded that we were unable to pay attention to the earlier matter. It is written that when the Quraysh heard the cry of Zamzam, they became enraged and began to prepare their people for battle. They said that Muhammad and his companions think that this caravan is like that of Ibn Hazrami's trade caravan. This is certainly not the case. By God, they shall soon find out that this is not the case. The caravan on Amr bin Hazrami and him being killed by the Muslims has been mentioned earlier in relation to the expedition of Abdullah bin Jahsh, in which the Muslims were easily able to kill Ibn Hazrmi and took over his possessions and wealth. In any case, now the Quraysh of Makkah began to make preparations for battle and its people were either going personally for battle or they were sending someone on their behalf and paying for all their expenses. And one of their chieftains said, 
Will you allow Muhammad وسلم, and his companions who have turned away from our faith and also the people of Yasrab to seize our wealth? My wealth and food provisions is available to whoever is in need of them. Similarly, some people gave 200 dinar and others 300 dinar and 500 dinar etc. And they said that they could spend it however and wherever they desired. Some offered 20 camels for the battle and others took on the entire household expense of those who were leaving for battle. And those who could not personally take part in the battle supported someone else to go for battle by paying for all their expenses. And in this way, within two or three days, their preparations for battle were complete. It should be noted here that although he had announced for them to reach there immediately, however, they spent two or three days making full preparation for battle. And so their efforts to make preparations proves that the disbelievers of Makkah were in fact searching for an excuse to engage in a proper battle with the Muslims. Because if their intention was to simply protect the caravan, then they would have immediately reached there upon hearing the news, and whatever weapon they could have got hold of, they would have taken it and reached there. However, this was not the case, and instead of protecting the caravan, they were actually preparing for a battle. Then in relation to the chiefs of the Quraysh, it is written that five chiefs, Umayyah bin Khalf, Utbah bin Rabia, Sheba bin Rabia, Zuma bin Aswad and Hakim bin Hizan sought a lot by throwing their arrows to determine whether they ought to go for battle or not. Subsequently, they drew the arrow which signified that they do not go for battle. In other words, the arrow they selected was the one upon which it was written that they should not go forth for battle. And so they all unanimously decided that they should not proceed for battle. However, Abu Jahl came to them and insisted that they should go to battle. Uqba bin Abu Mu'ayt and Nazar bin Haris supported Abu Jahl and insisted the others that they should go for battle. Upon this, the slave of Utbah and Sheba said that by God, you are not going forth for battle. Rather, you two are heading towards the places of where you shall be killed. Subsequently, they both decided not to go for battle. But Abu Jahl insisted so much that in the end they both decided to go along with the others and then they would turn back during the journey. Further details in relation to the preparations made by the disbelievers for the battle, their departure and various incidents in relation to this shall inshallah be mentioned in the future as there is quite a lot of detail in relation to this. Alhamdulillah, 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 
ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله ونشهد ان محمدا رسوله عباد الله رحمكم الله ان الله يامر بالعدل والاحسان ويطاي ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون